When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon. So something you all may not know is with the story versions of the podcast, I usually record those pretty close to real time. My interviews are done sometimes a few months in advance, but the stories uh, are done in real time. For instance, this is going to launch on March 30th, tomorrow, Uh, And I'm sitting here on Sunday in the middle of a COVID-19 shelter or stay-at-home order. And uh, so it's it's fairly fresh content uh, is the point, right? So I thought it was very timely uh, that I share a story about a gentleman from history who faced eh, somewhat similar issues to what our healthcare professionals are facing right now with educating the public and trying to get them to understand the importance of taking precautions such as washing their hands. Uh, The gentleman I'm speaking of was actually honored recently by Google with one of their little Google uh, uh, doodles. His name is Ignaz Semmelweis. Now, the story I'm going to tell you of Ignaz Semmelweis, and I'm not uh, Hungarian, uh, so I may completely have destroyed his name, but That's my Northeast Tennessee shot at it, Ignaz Semmelweis. Ignaz Semmelweis was an obstetrician uh, in Hungary. Um, He was appointed uh, essentially second in charge of Vienna General Hospital's obstetrician's uh, first obstetrician's ward, uh, July of 1846. Now... What's interesting here is this hospital had two maternity wards. They had the first maternity ward and the second maternity ward. This was a teaching hospital. So the first maternity ward was pretty much exclusively uh, doctors in training. And the second ward was exclusively for midwives. Now, back in this time, uh, Hungary was having a lot of issues with, um, I guess the best term would be lower class citizens uh, and infanticide, not being able to take care of the children. Uh, This was a problem, especially with the poor and prostitutes in the area. Prostitution was kind of a big deal uh, at the time. And as inevitably would happen in such a profession, these young ladies would get uh, pregnant and not know to do with the children. So the clinics were set up as a free service. They would provide uh, childbirth and and child care and essentially orphanage duties if uh, the, the lady couldn't care for the child or didn't want to care for the child. Now, what's important about that is there was a stark difference between the two. 
One ward had a death rate uh, for mothers due to something at the time known as childbed fever uh, that was in the double digits. You know, usually it was in the low, like, you know, 10, 11, 12 percent. But there were some months where it would get as high as around 30 percent and quite a few months where it was in the 20 percent range. And there was another clinic uh, that it never got into double digits. As a matter of fact, one of the highest rates it had was somewhere around 8% one month. But by and large, it stayed around 4%. Now, the weird thing about this is, is you would expect that the doctors would have the lower death rate, but that wasn't true. The midwives had the lower death rate, the doctors had a higher death rate. And there are all sorts of theories going around as to why this was. It was widely known that the... Uh, the city around the wards, they, they knew this, and women would actually try to time their pregnancies so that they would get admitted into the second ward because they kind of alternated days as to who would take patients when. This really upset Ignace because he got into medicine to save people, not to kill people, and he felt that there was something that they should be doing. The problem is the microscope wasn't invented yet. Germs weren't known to be a factor. So it wasn't as simple as, hey, wash your hands. That wasn't actually a thing that doctors did at the time. It was considered somewhat of a badge of honor uh, to have bloody clothes and dirty hands because it showed, quote, that you were working and people trusted you. You knew what you were doing. Um, and it was by sheer accident that Ignaz linked those two things together. See, a lot of things were tried in the ward. Uh, some people thought that it was almost like a hysteria kind of event because whenever uh, someone would pass away, a priest would come through the halls and, and ring a bell, and uh, they thought that maybe that that bell ringing was causing undue stress on the mothers, which was making them sick and leading to more mothers dying. So they stopped that practice. Uh, you know, there was a strong smell in the ward from all of the, you know, the various uh, bodily fluids related to childbirth. And again, sanitation wasn't a huge thing at the time. And they thought that maybe uh, these the smells uh, were contributing to it somehow. And so they started, uh, you know, burning incense and flour, bringing flowers in and things like that to try to mask the smell. And that didn't work, obviously. Well, it was uh, one day while working on a cadaver, because that was how doctors at this university trained on anatomy, that a uh, colleague of Ignaz, uh, a Mr. Jakob Kolechka, uh, he came down with all of the same symptoms as these women would have for childbed fever. Obviously, he wasn't pregnant. Obviously, he hadn't given birth. So how did he get this? And so Ignaz was poring over the reports of, of his death and the things that happened leading up to it, trying to find some connection. And what he found was Jakob, while working on one of uh, the cadavers, had cut himself. And what Ignaz knew was during childbirth that there was a decent amount of uh, cuts and rips and tears that would happen with the mother. And so he speculated that 
there must be some connection between the cadaverous materials uh, getting on the doctor's hands. That's what was the word he used, cadaverous materials. Uh, actually, it was cadaverous particles, excuse me. And uh, the, quote, infection. I don't think he used that term because they really didn't understand infectious diseases uh, at the time. But he knew that there had to be some transfer going on is essentially what it was. And he instituted a plan to try to get rid of those particles before a doctor would go and deliver children. Now, down in the morgue, uh, they would use a solution of chlorinated lime, basically. Uh, and they would pour that down the drain where these materials would, would gather and there would be a foul stench. And what Ignaz knew was once they used that chlorinated lime, that stench went away. So he surmised that uh, it was killing those particles. So he introduced a regime for the doctors using the chlorinated lime where they would wash their hands and, and instruments before that they would go in and perform a delivery. Uh, to nobody in modern medicine's shock, those death rates plummeted. They went from, you know, the, the double digits, sometimes as high as 30%, uh, all the way down to, you know, 2% or so. That was a huge, huge change. The problem was, again, at the time, nobody trusted a clean doctor. A clean doctor was seen as somebody who, well, nobody trusted and wasn't a practicing physician. Now, Ignaz was not the best leader, right? That, that plays a key role in here. He had a bit of a temper. He was passionate about what was going on. And he sort of tried to shove the issue down doctors' throats. And that didn't sit well. Everybody wanted to be respected for their work. Bloody hands, bloody clothes was a sign of respect. So the, the medical community kind of rebelled. Even though the data was there, there was no way for him to really... 100% uh, prove that that was anything other than a fluke. Standard doctrine said doctors have blood and, and materials in their hands because that's the work that they do. So Ignaz ran his experiment for a while. It proved very, uh, very effective, but he just couldn't get people to buy on board. He couldn't get them to to get past that dogma of needing uh, to look like they knew what they were doing. And so they dismissed his findings, continued on as usual, and eventually they stopped using his uh, protocols for sanitation and the death rate spiked again. That still wasn't enough to convince doctors. This sort of drove Ignaz mad. He went on a personal tirade uh, against the medical community uh, publicly saying as much that they were murdering their patients by not following his protocols. You can obviously uh, figure out that that didn't endear him to his colleagues, none uh, one bit. Uh, he even took it to the streets. When he would see somebody who was pregnant, he would go up to them. He would just go up to random pregnant women and tell them, if your doctor doesn't wash his hands, don't let him touch you. He will kill you. Um so this, this drove Ignaz literally insane. 
His wife left him. The medical community ostracized him. He uh, lost his position. Uh, he, he, by all accounts, he essentially had a mental breakdown because he cared and believed so much about what he was doing. Now, think about that in today's terms with what we're dealing with right now. I imagine a lot of doctors are feeling that same way when they see people not wanting to adhere to these social distancing norms uh, or uh, just carrying on their lives as normal with the spread of COVID-19. So the, the point of this is it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter what you can prove if you can't get people to buy in. And Ignaz was not very good at getting people to buy in. He knew the data. He couldn't really prove the exact link, but what he knew was that washing hands made a difference. But he couldn't overcome those long-held beliefs and that stigma associated with being a clean doctor to get people to buy in. Had he been a little bit more... Uh, tactful with how he presented the data, had he been a little more uh, congenial with how he worked with his colleagues instead of trying to force the sanitation practices down their, their throats, so to speak, had he not been seen as the crazy guy going up and down the street selling pregnant women their doctors were trying to kill them, you know, he may have been able to, to win people over. You know, this is a thing that we face a lot in our organizations today when we're trying to change long-held beliefs. When we believe something so deeply that we just want people to change in an instant. And that doesn't happen. People are, are resistant to change. Especially if you can't provide them a direct 100% doing this equals this negative outcome but if we change to doing this, it equals this positive outcome. Because you see, the, the death rates, this is one thing that worked against Ignaz, is the death rates were never 100% steady. Sometimes, very rarely, when uh, there were not a lot of student doctors and there were not a lot of cadavers to, to work on, those doctors weren't transferring those materials, so the death rates did come down into the single digits. And so his research was dismissed as being that. So he couldn't 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt prove that hand washing led to those lower numbers. It could have been a coincidence. And, and so I guess my point with this is think about these things when you're trying to uh, invoke change in your organization. And even though it seems like it should be a no-brainer to you, Sometimes the more evangelical you get about it, the, the more you are convinced that this is the right answer, the more you are actually turning people off and the harder you are making it for people to buy in. And you are doing so sometimes at the cost of your own mental health because if you believe it that deeply and you can't get other people on board, well, that takes a toll on you. Now, what happened to Ignaz? Well, as I said, this thing drove him mad, right? This is where the mental health piece comes in. This thing literally drove him mad. He ended up being uh, admitted 
into a mental institution, and he kept raving about washing hands. One day he tried to escape, and he was caught, resisted, uh, caught by one of the guards and was resisting, and they ended up having to use physical force. During the altercation, Ignaz, the way the story goes, uh, received a few lacerations, got sent to the infirmary, and the doctor showed up with materials on his hands from where he had been working on other patients. Ignaz started ranting and raving about wanting him to wash his hands before he worked on him. Uh, the doctor refused because this was what Ignaz was here for. He was the crazy doctor uh, who demanded people wash their hands. He was the first germaphobe before germs even existed. And so the doctor commences to sewing up Ignaz's cuts. And again, as the story goes, some uh, materials were transferred to his wounds, and he ended up dying of essentially sepsis is what we know it as today, the very thing that he had worked so hard to try to eradicate. Now, that is a danger that we run into, right? Is these changes that we are trying to get when we, we can't generate buy-in, we can't get the organization to go, it may not be an actual physical death, but it can ostracize us from our groups. It can make us feel like this is not an organization we want to be with. And if we get a reputation for being that crazy, you must do this type of guy or gal, then, uh, yeah, you can commit career suicide. So the point of this is, is don't be Ignaz, right? Completely. You want to be Ignaz in a way of looking for solutions and, and being innovative and trying to help and save the world, so to speak. But don't be so wrapped up and, and narrow-minded that you forget how important it is to build the coalitions, to, to bring people on board slowly, to, to get buy-in, to not force-feed your ideas just because they are your ideas. You know, in this case, if, if Ignacen had better leadership skills and had somebody to help him uh, sell his data and, and generate that buy-in amongst doctors, you know, in, in the years until Joseph Lister came along and could prove that uh, germs, or as he called them, we beasties, actually exist, uh, you know, there was somewhere just in the Vienna hospital alone, if you looked at the numbers, you know, there could have been tens of thousands of women's lives saved. If you look at the global... Uh, population at the time, you know, we could be easily talking hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of lives saved. But because of a lack of understanding how to generate buy-in and get people on board and relate and not go to that high level, you know, Ignaz kind of was counterproductive with what he wanted to do. So again, just wanted to share that little bit of uh, medical history and, and it relates a lot to what we are facing right now. I know this story is running uh, a little bit long. Uh, I think this is the longest one I've done so far. But it really relates to what we're looking at right now because we have some doctors who are shouting at the top of their lungs, stay away, don't get within 
I think the latest thing I saw was now uh, a 26-foot radius of other people to, to kill this thing. And then you have some people who are dug in. Ah, this is just basically the flu. It's no big deal. You know, that, that truth, as is often the case, probably lies somewhere in the middle. You can't do nothing, but there are social distancing things that you need to do uh, to stop the spread of this thing. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to tell you which ones are which. But what I will say is don't just dismiss people. Uh, pay attention. Do what's right. Do what's necessary for you and your family. And let's help our medical community stop this thing in its tracks. So I hope you took a lesson or two away from this story. Uh, Ignace, uh, you know, could have really, really changed the world. Now, uh, to the world's credit, they have in the past, you know, 20, 30 years or so really realized uh, that Ignace wasn't the crazy guy, that they should have listened to him. He's had some universities named after him. Uh, he's finally gotten the accolades that he deserved. Uh, but it, it took a while, right? It took a while. So uh, don't be Ignaz in that evangelical sense, but be Ignaz in that problem-solving sense. I guess that's the best way to put it. So again, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this story. Uh, hopefully it finds all of you doing well. Uh, you know, if you, as you listen to this, feel free to drop me a line. Let me know how you're doing burden.command at gmail.com. I want to make sure all my listeners are, are doing good and and uh, staying well during this outbreak. Uh, if you have any ideas uh, for guests, uh, if you have uh, any uh, ideas for ways to improve the show, same email address, burden.command at gmail.com. With that, I just want to say thank you for your time. Be sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show so we can uh, grow the audience. Really appreciate you spending some time with me on this Monday. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.